Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Checking in today. Cam, great to see you. How's it going? Uh, good. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's a, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, we're going to dive in, though, not with, not with a hockey story. Uh, we're going to touch on a different sport and, I guess, a different form of sports entertainment, as it became known. Uh, tell us a little bit about your relationship with the, uh, the great Rowdy Roddy Piper. This sounds like a pretty interesting friendship. I was uh, best friends with Rod for 45 years, and I was with him six weeks before he, d- he passed. Um, Rod moved to Winnipeg when I was about 16, 17, and I actually met him. My, there was a knock at my back door, and it was some friends that said, hey, Cam, you're a pretty tough guy, and this new guy, Rod, he's the tough guy. Why don't you have a fight? <laughs> well, I said, okay. So we went in my garage, we had a fight, and uh, I didn't know he was a light heavyweight boxing champ in Toronto. So there was a pecking order established. Was he at the top of the pecking order after he that? He was, he was. <laughs> now, did that happen a lot in Winnipeg, that your friends would just say, we got someone for you to fight? Uh, no, because I learned, I learned after that first one when I lost that I'm not doing this anymore. Now, did you, were you, did you hang out with him throughout his career? Like, to me, yes. he was one of my favorite wrestlers yeah. of all time. I wasn't yeah. huge into wrestling, but he's a guy that you yeah. always knew his yeah. name. You know what? Uh, with Rod, he, he, I don't even know if it was so much his wrestling, but he had Piper's Pit. And this guy could talk. Even as a teenager, Rod could talk a bird out of a tree. Like, he always could. <laughs> And uh, he'd say stuff, and I'd just laugh. You know, I don't know how he even thought of it, but uh, Rod was truly, he was a bad guy in wrestling, and that was his role. And uh, he'd come and visit me when I was in New York, because back then it was called WWF. Their headquarters was in Greenwich, Connecticut. I lived three minutes away, so when he was in there, he'd stop by, and uh, we'd go out uh, for a beer, and he'd say, well, let's sit over there. I'd say, well, why? He said, well, I could have my back to the wall. He said, I've been knifed three times by the fans because the wrestling fans took it real serious. He's been, he was knifed three times yeah. by fans. Yeah, yeah. So if you ever, so he had to have his back to the wall. And if you ever picked up his leather jacket, he always wore a leather jacket. If you picked up this leather jacket, I don't think I'm exaggerating if I'd say it's five times heavier than anything else you've ever picked up. It's unbelievable. I said, how come? He goes, well, it's harder for a knife to go through this. I said, said, okay, all right. I thought playing hockey was bad sometimes when the fans got mad at you in Philadelphia. Yeah, that's why you want to be a good guy, not a heel. I guess if so. You, if, if you go into oh, wrestling. Oh, yeah. He was something else. And, and, he, and he had such longevity in, 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 in wrestling as well, so he must have maintained that, that passion. And I guess despite the knifings, the, the, just the joy for the performance and, and interacting with, with most of the fans, I suppose. You know, Rod was at his best when uh, he was talking. He, he did enjoy the fans. He did enjoy people. But 
as he became more and more famous, you know, I'd join him in Toronto for autograph sessions for three days. I'd join him in different events that he had, and uh, he really couldn't go out. He, I wouldn't say, well, if you were in the East Coast in the United States, he was like a Wayne Gretzky. Everybody knew who he was. We'd walk into a bar, and we'd blend in for about one minute, and then, uh, bang, the fans were over, all over him. So I'm glad that when Rod and I hung out together, they didn't have these phones that they have today. <laughs> There'd be too many pictures uh, incriminating us. <laughs> well, and, and let's, staying outside of hockey with you, another thing I read, you took part of Wipeout? Yeah, oh, like, yeah. Do, you, do you know the TV show Wipeout? Oh, yes, I'm... I've watched it many times with my kids, and you were part of that. They flew us to Buenos Aires, Argentina. And my son and my daughter, uh, they put my name in. And next thing you know, six weeks before the event, they said to me, okay, you're in. And you're competing in the athletic event. And there was 20 of us competing for $50,000. 11 of the 20 had just finished the, uh, the Olympic Games. <laughs> and so I had to compete out here. I am overweight and hadn't done it much for I don't know how many years. And I had to compete against, like, the Olympic athletes. And, oh, my God. So it was interesting. So, okay, just to, I didn't su- win it. <laughs> just to summarize what Cam's told us in the first six minutes of the interview, as a kid, his friends wanted him to fight a light heavyweight champion. And then his, as an adult, his kids signed him up to compete against Olympians. And his best I don't friend. Know if, I don't know if people are out to get you or are they overrating your athletic ability. I don't know which it is. And throwing his best friend's been knifed three yeah. times. So, yeah. <laughs> Tough life poor Cam's had. But I showed up. <laughs> <laughs> what, did you, what knocked you off in white Because it's one of those things where you have to... Well, you know, they made me go first and nobody else is allowed to watch as your contestants out there. And I remember standing on top of this, you got this ramp you got to run down, and I, before it starts, I go, how come that log is reflecting light? They go, oh, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> so I run down there, and I'm, you know, you're competing against the clock, and I jump on it, and they got it full of Vaseline. I don't think they wanted me to win, right? <laughs> so I just wiped out, and I fell over, and, uh, you know, then you got to swim, and then you get to the punching bags, right? So they got these, this wall with punching gloves. So they had asked me before, said, are you afraid of that? And I don't remember my answer, but I probably said, bring it on, right? So I, I said, no matter what, how hard this punch wall hits me, I'm going to finish this. So as I'm moving on, wham, it hits me right in the knackers. <laughs> and it dropped me, and then you fall in the mud. So unless you get to a certain point, touch this white glove, then uh, you got to start again. So I said, okay, not this time. And then I go in and whack, it hit me the same spot. Down I go. And um, so when I finished, I went back and uh, was talking to some of the other female contestants. And I said, well, how did you do at the punching wall? They said, oh, I completed it. I said, what? wait, wait, wait. How, how could you complete it, not me? And they said, oh, well, they said that they could turn the, like, the compression up or down. So I'm sure they turned it up that it was freaking George Foreman punching me. So Is that where the, the, the fist comes yes, out of the wall? Yeah, yes. I remember so that. That's my excuse for getting knocked over. Kev Connor joining us here on the uh, Face Off show, uh, sharing some great stories as we get you ready for the Oilers and, and, and the Sharks. Now, not everything in your life involves being punched. Uh, <laughs> 
the I, this would have been the last time Montreal and Toronto played in the Stanley Cup playoffs, 1978. And uh, you got a huge overtime goal to help the Canadians uh, knock off the Leafs that year. What do you remember about that series and that goal, obviously? What I remember is uh, Scotty Bowman, you know, the year that I joined the Canadians, only they had won the Cup three years in a row. And uh, they had only lost one player from the previous year. And they added Mark Napier, myself, Pat Hughes, and Rod Langway. Not too bad. And so we were all competing um, to, to get into that one spot from the Stanley Cup three years in a row winning team. And I didn't get a lot of ice time that year in Montreal. And I, I do remember Scotty Bowman. He was tough on everybody. But the year before, I had a guy named Bill Denine as a coach. And Bill was one of the finest individuals you ever met. He would pat you on the back and you loved him. He'd never yell at you. And now I'm in an environment where this guy yelled at me every day. And I don't do well under that. You know, I need the pats on the back and the positives. And he didn't give that to me, but I tried my best. And um, it just wasn't getting a lot of ice time out there. And which I found out later, uh, Ken Dryden went up to uh, Scotty Bowman and said, hey, we're picking on the Leafs, and they've got a physical team. They weren't skaters. They were, they were grinders and physical. They said, you got to get Cam in the lineup. So Bowman stuck me in, but <clears throat> I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but I'll say it. He, I didn't get a shift the first period. I didn't get a shift the second period. I didn't get a shift the third period. I didn't get a shift the first overtime. The first shift he got on, he gave to me, I got on, and I scored the winning goal. Imagine if he would have played Julie, he never oh, would have needed overtime. Well, thank you for saying that. I was thinking the same thing. Well, you were fresh, obviously. Well, I said, but you know, honestly, if, and Rob, you probably never sat in the bench. I have sat in the bench. I know what it feels like. So. After four periods of sitting on a bench, you go, don't look, though. I don't want to shift. You don't want to play. <laughs> you don't. Oh, well, come on. My legs are like concrete. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and so as it worked out, you know, I, I got the winning goal. And all year long, I swear to God, I had the, rep the reporters saying to me, well, you should be, you know, complaining. You should be in the lineup. And I just kept my mouth shut all year. And I did my very best when I was in the stands to come down between periods and talk to the players and say, this is what I noticed out here. Try doing this. And uh, I think they really appreciated that I wasn't a crybaby. I just accepted it. Because I was told by Larry Robinson and a few of those guys that it takes three years at least to get into that lineup on a regular basis. And so, you know, with that in mind, I maybe saw a little light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, so, I, so they were happy. When I scored that winning goal, like... They were so, so happy for me, and uh, that just made my year just to see the joy. And, and they were, you know, they were happy for me. Cam Connor joining us here in Studio 99. Oilers and Sharks coming up at 2 o'clock. So you're with the 78-79 Canadians, uh, fourth in a row Stanley Cup for them. And then 79-80 was uh, a year of change for you. You get uh, claimed by the Oilers in the expansion draft, and you're going along pretty good as an oiler but then eventually got traded to the new york rangers well i was happy to say uh, i was the first guy chosen in that expansion draft i had played against say there in the who he knew me and my abilities 
in the, in, in the year I had in Montreal, I, I, I just didn't have the confidence and I played the same way. I didn't want to make a mistake and I just didn't play like the ability I had and Glenn made me the first choice and uh, Glenn had, uh, well, he told me, he said, you know, buy a house in Edmonton, you're going to be there a long time. <laughs> but one of the things he did say to me, this uh, expansion draft was in Montreal, and I was still in Montreal, and he phoned me up, and he said, you're with us now, and buy a house. He said, could you do me a favor? I said, what's that? He said, well, we got this player that's sitting in a hotel. He doesn't know anybody. Could you, uh, could you just call him up and go for a beer? I said, yeah, I could do that. Who, who are we talking? He says, it's Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> and I didn't know too much about Wayne because I'd never played against him. So when I left the WHA, it was when he came, and I, I just didn't know much about him. So I pick Wayne up, and we go out for a beer, and Wayne says to me, he said, Cam, you played in the World Hockey, and you played in the NHL. Is it really a big step? And what I didn't know is when you play with the Stanley Cup champions like Montreal, you could play the last-place team, which would be back in those days of Vancouver or Pittsburgh, Every player on that team rises to another level when you take on the Stanley Cups champions. And so every game, it was a dogfight. It was good, fast hockey. And uh, I, I told myself, this is really, is way better than world hockey, I got to say. Well, you know, when I got to Edmonton and we're an expansion team, the teams didn't get up the same way. So, you know, it leveled off. But Wade and I wrote for beer, so he asked me my opinion, and I said, <laughs> I said, Wade, I know, you know, you've done real well in the past, but it's going to take you a few years <laughs> before you kind of, you know, get to that level you're used to, and I've ever, you know, when you whistle high pitch to a dog, he kind of turns his head, he gave me that look like, what the heck are you talking about, right? <laughs> I had no idea in that year he scored 136 <laughs> points, and so... Yeah, but he didn't get 200 but, for three, well, four years, yeah, so... Yeah, that was the day that, that that's exactly Cam, so. that's the day that Cam's uh, signaled to the rest of the world that he's never going to be an NHL scout. This <laughs> 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 Gretzky kid, not sure about him. Yeah. So I, I thought he'd do good, but I didn't think 136 is first year, that's for sure. <laughs> so did you buy a house, and did you then you were traded two-thirds of the way through the season? So did someone uh, rent two, the house? No, not two-thirds of the way through the season. I don't know what date it is in the NHL, but there's a certain date in the NHL that if you're not traded by 12 noon that oh, day... Oh, sorry, I got it here. It was March 11th, my mistake. Okay. March 11th. So... so we're on the road in Montreal. It's 10 minutes before 12. And uh, I got a bucket of pucks, my uniform on. I'm going to go out early, shoot some pucks. And as I'm leaving the dressing room, the radio came on. And I said to the guys, hey, let's get the scoops today. Because I heard nothing, right? You know you're there. And uh, first thing they said was Cam Connor traded for Don Murdoch. And Semenko said, my jaw just dropped. Because, I mean, I didn't expect to hear that on the radio. And I remember... You know, when you're a superstar, you miss a day or two of ice time, your timing's still there. But when you're a foot soldier and you gotta work hard every day and you get an optional, you'll show up and you can skate for 20 minutes and keep your timing. So I just got traded, but I had all my gear on. I said, well, okay, I'll uh, skate with you guys and then I'll just bugger off. And they said, oh, no, no, get your stuff off. You're not part of the... <laughs> I almost started crying. Wait, 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 30 seconds ago, I was part of this team. So they kicked me out of the dressing room, and you got, you know, I've been on the road for three weeks already, so you got to 
take all your luggage and your bags and your sticks and away I went that night to New York. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Cam Goddard joining us here at, at Studio 99. Cam, we, we could go on uh, a lot longer, so we'll, we'll have to have you on again. If they, we're we're going to have to start the game eventually, but uh, just let people know what you're up to now because you, the house in Edmonton did turn out eventually. You, well, <laughs> it turned out I rented it to Colin Campbell and he signed a three-year lease and he got traded right away, so my house was paid by the Vancouver Canucks for two years. So that worked out that way. Um, I'm in the... I was in, when I got out of hockey, I got into computer consulting for 25 years, and I did that out of New York City for about three, four years. And then just the last 10 years, I just decided uh, I didn't want to do it anymore. I was making good money, but I didn't want to do it anymore. So I got into the camp and catering business, and I worked for a company called uh, Horizon North. Um, we got offices around Western Canada. And I'm in sales, so I go to Calgary and Grand Prairie on a regular basis and knock on doors. So if I'm knocking on your door, open it. Well, you bring food to our house, you're always welcome. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, Cam, we're going to put you to work here before we let you go. we got a contest on the show here. It's very simple. It's the first goal of the game contest. So a 630 Chad listener predicts which oiler gets their first goal, and they get a prize if they're right. And sometimes we have celebrity recommendors. Now, they don't have to go with your recommendation. No, no. But we'd like you to give one to help out if you can. Well, I don't think it's... Too hard of a choice. <laughs> there's, there's three really popular choices. Right? Now, one guy gets power plays and penalty killing and regular shifts and double shifts. I might have to go with Connor McDavid. Oh, it's all because of the name Connor, isn't it? That's well, and, and not that his brother's name is Cameron. It has nothing to do with it. I've got the first and last name down. That's right. His parents were big fans of yours. Yeah, I, that's what I was told. <laughs> we're looking to give somebody a $50 gift certificate to Direct Workwear. Times are tough. Direct deals are tougher. Save 25% in-store on workwear all December. Camp Connor, thanks so much for dropping by. Hope to see you again and enjoy the game this afternoon. Thanks for having me, guys. We're